All right, welcome back. The Audible's on the air. Kim Bocamber, John Jimmy with you. And this is our, geez, John, how many times? What is this? Our third or fourth time we're uh, we're doing the Audible in the uh, I coronavirus so. pandemic here. And I think in isolation so. And, and all this and that. <laughs> and, uh, so strange, but I think strange has become the, the new norm in our country for for, for everybody and everything. And, and John, I'm not sure that, um, I'm not sure this is going to be with us for quite some time here. Yeah, it's it, it's one of those things, but we were talking before we went on the air and it seems like, you know, you're trying to put off things later in the day so that you're not all done by like one o'clock and all yeah. you have to do is, you know, maybe eat lunch and then just stare outside and wishing, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm in fifth grade. I just want to go to PE. I want to go outside, <laughs> you know, and, and I can't do it. I, I go for a little bit of a walk uh, around my neighborhood and that's about yeah. it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty strange stuff, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad everyone's kind of abiding by everything. And it seems like we're, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, a medical guy, but just listening to everything, it seems like we're kind of getting, you know, to or, or over the hump a little bit here. And, you know, they're starting to talk about things coming back, starting, starting talking about kind of open up the economy again, uh, and, and a lot more chatter, John, about sports and, and in particular this week, uh, you know, this drops on Thursday, which by the way, uh, dropping on Thursday, John, that'll put us within one week of, of the NFL draft. So we, we have that to look forward to. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just been, um, one of those things. And it, it's funny because I used to say, you know, when I retired, first retired, I say, you know what? I, I, I wake up and I, and I don't have anything to do, but, but I'm in a panic because I don't think I got enough time to get it all done. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so this is a whole different, this is a whole different animal. You know, I, I, I've, I've woken up a couple times uh, in the last week in the evening, you know, when I'm going to bed and, you know, you kind of wake up in the middle of the night and, and I've woken up a couple times, John, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, and, 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 and had nothing on my mind at all. Yeah, there's... You know, you know usually you wake up, you go, oh, geez, you know, geez I got to remember to pay this bill tomorrow or, you know, I got to do this or I've got this or I've got that or something sticks in your mind, you can't go to sleep. And I, and I woke up and I just... I'm trying to think. I go. I got nothing in my head. I got not one thought going through my head right now. It's I crazy. I don't know that's ever happened to me before. It's crazy the way your mind kind of races and and you kind of you know anticipate. We're anticipating things in your life. You know, with us with with work wise, it, it's yeah. been the draft for about a month now, and you keep inching towards that 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 finish line to get to it. But boy, it sure does seem like each day you really get more out of each day. I really appreciate your time that you spend around uh, people that you love and people that yeah. you're, you're you know, not accustomed to spending this much time with. Because just think about a normal day in, in our lives, uh, maybe a month ago, five o'clock comes and you go, wow, there wasn't enough time to do anything. Today. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. now it just seems like five o'clock comes and, and you're ready to, to go underneath the sheets and pray that you can go to sleep and wake up and yeah. do it again. <laughs> yeah. it, it, you know, it, 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 I don't, I don't want to, I don't want this to come out the wrong way. Uh, but you know, it, it almost makes you almost gives you the feeling of what people that are in prison must be going through. Not look, not that, not that look, we, we, we all have nice homes. You know, we all have, you know, places to live where we're comfortable at, but to the point where, it doesn't matter what day it is, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, it don't matter. It, every day is the same. 
Yeah, you know, every day. That point it's where Groundhog you gotta, Day, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and you got you to gotta wake up sometime, or you got to, in the middle of the day, go, just, well, what day is this, you know? Right. And uh, so, you, you know, it, it, the, the days, the dates just don't seem to mean anything much anymore, which is a, which is a pretty, pretty strange situation. But, again, not, not, not like we're living in a prison. We're, you know, living in some pretty, you know, some pretty comfortable environments for the most part. And so let's get, you know, I feel like I'm digging myself into a hole. There. No, the one, the one thing that I did learn is that I really want to start to appreciate every day because the fact that you, when you go to your calendar and I don't know about you, but I'm one guy that checks off every day, you know, and I'm writing yeah. things down and boy, when I check off the days now, they're going a lot slower and I wish they would yeah. go a lot slower when we get back to normalcy and, and back to our lives and back to, to work and back to the everyday grind that you're you're accustomed to. I wish I, I could appreciate it a little bit more like I'm doing now where each hour and each each 10 minute segment goes by and, and you kind of you have more time on your hands. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah no doubt about it. But hey, we'll get past this. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good to see that everybody I think I think I think we can all kind of look back at this when, when it's over and, and feel good about the fact that we did abide by the the distancing rules, you did kind of quarantine yourself at home and stay away from people because I think I think we've all kind of come to learn now that that's really the only way uh, to get this thing, get past this thing, and, and get ourselves back to normal, whatever whatever normal is going to be after this. But uh, anyway, let's get back to let's get back to the draft a little bit. You know, just kind of to, to refresh everybody here, the Dolphins have 14 picks in this draft. They've got the fifth overall, the 18th, the 26th, and and John, you know, th- those numbers. Those numbers are kind of set in mud right now, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think they're you know they're they're good opportunities for the Dolphins, but I think the Dolphins, um, you know, the, the 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 opportunity for movement in this first round, John, maybe may more so than I think we've seen in, in quite some time. Just with the stockpile of picks, you go beyond that, you've got the 39th pick overall and 56, both in the second round. You got a pick in the third round, number 70. Fourth round, you got a one pick at 141. You got three more picks in the fifth, 153rd, 154th, 173rd, 185th overall, which is in the sixth round, and three more in the seventh, 227, 246, and 251. And and really talking about you know not not being you know etched in in stone in the first round. I think with all the picks, 14 picks in this draft, you know this may be one of the more busy drafts from a movement situation in the Dolphins, forgetting about what picks they're going to make with whatever stockpile they end up with uh, when this thing gets started. Well, you're right. They, they do have a lot of flexibility, and I think that's what they were aiming for going into last season, being able to, to move people, acquire picks, acquire high picks, not only in 2020, but in 2021. And be able to stockpile your franchise with the stability if you if you're able to make the right decisive decisions on certain players at positions uh, that you need help in, the Dolphins are going to improve quickly, and it's not going to take four or five years for them to to show that improvement. And I think that all starts with this you know this off season being able to acquire guys that have played in the league at a high level with <clears throat> success and successful teams, and add that to your franchise. And now uh, on draft night, they're going to have that opportunity. If they stand pat in the first round, there's probably a good chance you're going to get to use 12 or 13 or maybe all 14 Mm -hmm. of those picks and be able to stockpile 
this roster with with a, an influx of talent that are going to be on the field in 2020. Yeah, no doubt. And we're going to take a look. Uh, last week, we took a look at the offensive side and, and, and what players are out there in the draft that the Dolphins could have their eye on. This week, we're going to kind of take a run through the defense. And the defense is, you know, you talk about the the uh, personality, the look of this defense changing. Well, it changed dramatically over the uh, free agent period when the Dolphins went out there and really made a splash and, and, and shored up a lot of questions on this draft. It doesn't mean that they're done on the defensive side of the ball, but let's kind of take a run through. And we talked about this a few weeks back, John. We kind of went through projected starters as we stand right now with the Dolphins. And you know, we talked about how on the offensive side there's really – two glaring areas there, and that's the left tackle and the right tackle that the Dolphins need to need to address. Well, when you look on the defensive side, if you look at that those projected starters now, you look at that defensive front and go, Shaq Lawson at one end, you got Gotcha and, and Christian Wilkins. Now they could be you know they could be two tackles in there on a four-man scheme or one of them is a nose tackle. Uh, Emmanuel Oba, the uh, uh, pass rusher they got Vince Beagle uh, can slide in there. Uh, you know, Jerome Baker in the middle, Kyle Van Noy is a guy that can do a lot of different things. And he's been a thorn in the side for the Dolphins for a long time. I hope he can continue to be that for a lot of other teams around the league with the Dolphins. Um, so you're feeling pretty good about up front, that front seven, where really, John, going into free agency, uh, you know, man, you look at that outside and see, you know, we got to find some pass rushers, got to find someone to set the edge. And, and I think for the most part, not that it can't be tweaked and you can't add more, I think for the most part, when you look at that front seven, you, you've, you've got to feel a lot better now going into the draft than you did uh, before the beginning of free agency. I think you, on defense, you're in a position of, of taking luxury at, at certain yeah. positions, especially in the front seven, because the Dolphins now, after free agency, are stockpiled. It seems like as at edge rusher, they have plenty of, of firepower to kind of get after the quarterback and use multiple fronts to do it. At linebacker, you have a an influx of people that can run and hit, that can rush the passer, that can play different positions. Uh, when there's only two linebackers on the field, you have a lot of flexibility on who's in coverage, who's in pass rush, who's dropping uh, in certain areas in zone coverage. You, you feel better about the Dolphins' defense, especially uh, with Van Noy and, and guys like Shaq Lawson and Ogba that can can get after the quarterback. So that that was really a glaring weakness for the Miami Dolphins last season that seems like it's improved going into 2020. And and who knows, there may be an addition uh, of a guy of an edge rusher that can maybe do a little bit more just to stockpile that position and see where the flexibility goes in your defensive scheme. And I, I still think there's an opportunity there, but really, I mean, you, you solidified the cornerback position. Maybe there's a, a safety that you're, you have your eye on or yep. two that can have position flexibility in this draft, but that's about it on the defensive side. You might, you might see the Dolphins add a, a defensive tackle, you know, along the line as we go down. You know, if somebody's there that they, that, you know, teams may have went a different direction, the Dolphins may pounce in the, in the third round on somebody like that. But um, I really think the, the, the focus is going to be on offense, but there sure are a lot of really talented defensive players in this draft. Yeah, and you talk about the cornerbacks, Byron Jones coming in, and you know, him on the other side of X really gives them a, a nice situation. And, and, you know, to have two guys, two two cornerbacks of that caliber uh, playing together back there, boy, that's going to, you know, you talk about improving the pass rush. You can improve the pass rush, you know, by, by better coverage in the backfield. You've certainly, backside, you've certainly 
done that there. But when you look at the, the, the you know, that you talk about the safety position, the nickel, the dime packages, all that. And, and you know, you, you look at guys, and a lot of these guys last year, John, going into the season, you know, you felt good about Bobby McCain. You know what Bobby could do. You know what kind of player he is. You know what kind of effort he was going to give you and production he was going to give you. But, boy, there were a lot of things up in the air. You mean T.J. Turner, uh, Rashad Jones, what was going to happen with him, uh, or T.J. McDonald, uh, what was going to happen with him. And then you had these group of guys, Eric Rowe, Nick Needham, Jamal Wilson. Which one of them changed your name? Jamal Wilson changed his name, right? Yes, he did. And what he changed to? I, I can't. I gotta change my. I gotta change my thinking because I can't just keep calling him Jamal Wilkes. I'm not sure, Bo. We're gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get back to you on that one. <laughs> All right, good. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one stumbling around on on that deal. But that but, was I mean, on. But, you know what? That was about 75th on my importance. Yeah, list. exactly. Exactly. Was changing his name, so I'll get to it by training camp. Yeah, no doubt about it. But but what's happened now with all those guys, John, they've all had the opportunity to play so many multiple positions last year, you know, whether it's in nickel or dime packages, whether you had, you know, Bobby was playing outside at one point. You had Nick Needham out there. Jamal Wilkes, Rowe has kind of found his spot. as kind of that, that middle of the field guy that, that with the responsibility to cover tight ends, and he did a, a good job on last year. So you, you've got a lot of guys in that safety position that have had experience in the corner, John, that, that makes you feel good about, all those nickel dime packages, and look, I'm sure they're going to end up with another DB or two somewhere in this draft. But you know, I think you've got enough bodies back there with 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 good with good good game time experience in critical situations that that, that you know what they can do, and you feel comfortable finding spots for them back there. I, I think the key in this draft, and because of the way free agency went, and I think we we discussed this a little bit, you have to have guys that can play linebacker and that can play multiple positions at defensive back, whether that's nickel corner or whether that's slot corner or it's a traditional cornerback position and a backup role, but can also be a factor on special teams because you've got guys now on your roster that you don't want to necessarily expose uh, running down on kicks if you don't have to, if you have that luxury. Um, so you want to be able to get guys that are really good backups that are outstanding special teams players and that's pretty much always the case in the National Football League when it comes to training camp. And that's why special teams coordinator Danny Crossman is so valuable to this roster to be able to give his opinion on on guys, on how, how they're going to fit in on special teams and how that plugs into the defensive system and, and what their role is going to be. So you can have a, a safety that can also play corner, but is your top four guy on on all four teams he has a pretty good chance of making the team. And that's what I think they're going to go out and and try to create competition at the safety corner, nickel corner, yeah. position, linebacker, guys that can run and hit that can do multiple things on this roster. You know, the, the other thing about having 14 picks, I mean, you know, this day and age, uh, you know, you seven round draft, you know, you're, you're going to keep usually keep all those players, you know, unless, unless the guy just turns out that, you know, he can't walk and chew gum at the same time. For the most part, you keep those guys, and those are the guys that, you know, that, that a, a help you manage your salary cap, and b give you those guys that are those special teams guys. And you know, you, you never know, you never know coming in guys coming in from college uh, when they're drafted in the middle to late rounds um, how they're going to react uh, to playing because some of these guys have never played special teams before. Well, they were all but stars. They were, but they yeah. were, you know, right. They were all, you know, your frontline players. All of a sudden he's a fifth round draft choice. Yeah. 
and he never it's, played. Maybe he played on one special team, maybe yeah, as a freshman. Yeah. And, and so, so with the Dolphins, you know, you with 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 fourteen picks, John. You know, you kind of you, you kind of look at that special team side of it and go, you know what? You're, you're going to be a lot of a lot of guys on this roster that are going to fill a lot of those special teams roles that are hungry that are hungry just to get a roster spot. Yeah, and and, I, and those and those are the guys. Those are where you find, you know, the the the, the great the, the Larry Izzo's, uh, you know, the, the the great special teams guys that have, have meant so much to the, uh, you know, to this this league over the years, you find them in that group and, and the Dolphins certainly going to have a big group of those guys to see if they can find some, some really talented special teamers off of this deal. Yeah. I, I hope the Dolphins, you know, primary, that, that seems almost like a, uh, an offshoot of what the Dolphins are looking for because with the amount of picks, they're going to get those guys just by the amount of, of selections they're going to take. Yep. And in the front end, you want to be able to go, okay, if we have, uh, five of the first 90 picks, four of those guys you want to be able to, to be frontline starters. Yeah, you know, three, yeah. three, if, if you're, if you're crossing your fingers, four, you know, you, you, three and a half to four, you want to make sure that those guys are playing at a high level, a lot of snaps on either side of the football and being impactful for a long time to come. And now, you, you know, you kind of graduate from that position and you have maybe, you know, your next six picks. If you can get hit 50% there, you're, you're, you you've set your yeah you've yep. set your roster and you've set your franchise up for success for the long term. Yeah. Hey, let's start taking a look at some of the guys out there, and then certainly there's some guys that, uh, uh, that that just jump out at you, and, and none none jumps out anymore at you. And I know there's been you know it's all the talk about the quarterbacks and and who's going here and Burrow and Tua and uh, you know and, and Herbert and Love and all these guys, but I, I still think that the, the best player in the draft is is Chase Young out of Ohio State, six four. 264, 465, uh, guys a t- team captain, probably, probably the most dominant player in, in football, 16 and a half sacks. I mean, you know, here, here's a guy that just, whoever gets him, you know, and look at that lineage coming out of Ohio State from Joey Boza to Nick Boza, <laughs> now to Chase Young. Pretty, pretty impressive group of defensive ends they've had o- over the last, what, eight, nine years. Yeah, it's been incredible what Ohio State has done. It almost reminds me, I remember doing University of Miami games and when they had the running back position and, and you know, Edron James yeah, yeah. is running for all these yards. They go, wait till you see this other guy. He's not even yeah. on the field, you know, and, and, and that, you know, just the line of players, you know, you had Frank Gore and you had just guys that kept coming, you know, McGahee, yeah, McGahee they, kept, yeah, they just yeah, kept yeah. rolling them out. And that's what really Chase Young was at Ohio State. You had the Boza guys uh, go through there and spend their time terrorizing the Big Ten, and I'm sure somebody was saying, hey, the Boza players, the brothers are great, but wait till you see this other guy. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And he's going to be something, and you're right. The thing that jumps out is his elite athleticism at his size and his strength, and I don't even know if he scratched the, the, the top of where yeah. he can play as a complete defensive player, but that, that guy is going to be, you know, he's going to be off the board probably with the Redskins at number two, and if it wasn't for Joe Burrow having such a a great season. He might have uh, went number one in in other years. Yeah, no doubt. Iowa comes up with this kid, AJ uh, Espinosa, six uh, five, two seventy five, five six guy. But he's a big, long, physical guy. He can play inside. He can play out. You know, for a big guy like that, I think you know eleven and a half sacks I think last year. But for a big guy like that to be able to 
not the most nimble. I mean, speed wise guy, but uh, he's a guy that can move, move and do a lot of different things. And, and you know, if he's one of those guys that you're going to try to just push him off the line of scrimmage, I don't think you're going to have much luck with that. Yeah, strong at the point of attack. That's the one thing that it seems like every evaluation came back on him, that strong hands, he was able to bull rush you, he can dominate with strength, and he's probably the best guy that has a blend of pass rush and is really good against the run, setting the edge and, and doing all those things that you don't really take for granted. So Espineza is one of those guys uh, you know, that, that probably can do everything really well. You tore a gross models from Penn State, another 6'5", 266, 475, so he's certainly got the speed to do it. He's, he's, he's long, he's got length in his arms, his speed. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that just can do everything. He's a side, you know, sideline to sideline type of guy, high motor that, that plays well. And, uh, uh, you, know, you know, always these guys, the one thing you worry about with some of these guys, especially when you get up 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and I, I know I dealt with it in my old careers, but I tell you, if you're, if you're that tall and you're playing in this league, you better learn to bend your knees and, and, and learn to play at a low level. And I think that may be a challenge for him coming in. Yeah, it might be. And he's one of those guys. I don't know if he's a finished product, but he's a guy that you're projecting to, to be yeah. the future pass rusher that can dominate on the edge because of his length, as you said, at 6'5". And he's only he's 266, but he looks a lot sl more slender than yeah. that. You know, he's almost has that JT type of, of, of body frame in terms of being able to, once he learns how to bend like that, you know, he can get to the quarterback. He was everybody's first team, you know, all American, all big 10, you know, did everything really well. And I think once he realizes he belongs at this next level, I think he's only going to get better. Yeah. I think after him, you start getting into some of these guys that are tweeners, Marlon Davis, the kid from Auburn, and Raekwon Davis from Alabama. All these guys are, are a step down there, but anybody, anybody in the rest of the pack there, John, that jumps out at you. Um, you know what? There, there's a couple of guys, Blacklock from TCU yeah. uh, is a guy that, that really does a, a lot of good things. And then, you know, maybe on, I don't know if we're going to go interior, but there, there's some yeah, big we, yeah, we're going to go to the, go to the yeah. tackles next. Yeah. That, that's probably, you know, the limit. Uh, Mataboke, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, he, he's another guy that, that really is a lot, getting a lot of talk from Texas A&M. So there's, there's a couple of guys out there that might slip where you see the Dolphins and, and maybe Gross Matos is probably the guy you circle because he kind of fits the skill set that can do mm -hmm. a little bit of everything. And I think he doesn't have to play right away. He might just be able to add to what you have on the roster. Yeah, I, I think that uh, where the Dolphins are going in, they're, they're probably more apt earlier in the draft than later to, to pick a defensive tackle than, than a defensive end. Unless one of those guys just you know jumps in your jumps in your, you don't expect him to be there, maybe slides somewhere and and you grab that guy just to fill in. But I think when you look at defensive tackles, kid out of, out of Auburn, Derek Brown, three-year starter. Uh, the guy's been ready to be in the NFL for a couple of years. He's, he's got that big power. Um, he's got speed. He's a 5'1", 6 guy at 326 pounds. Um, and just, and, and I, I, he's a guy, you just kind of plug him in and, and get him ready to go. Well, I'm sure the Detroit Lions are going to pick on defense and are either going to go – with Okuda, the corner out of Ohio yeah. State, or they may even get Derek Brown from Auburn because he can play multiple positions along the defensive front. And I'm sure that that's intriguing to a lot of defensive coordinators that are now head coaches because they can plug and play with this guy. He's a rare athlete, a rare dude, because of the, the you mentioned his size and his speed and that first step quickness. I watch him play, and he, he, he wears that number five, and he's like a blur. He looks like a <laughs> linebacker 
you yeah. know, running after the quarterback or running outside to get a quick screen or chasing a running back from behind. He's just a rare athlete, and he's probably a linebacker's best friend because he can take the double team and manhandle them and free up some guys to make plays. Yeah, and I think he's got, you know, he's one of those guys that if you're, if you're going to play a, you know, a 3-4 defense, you know, you could kick him out to the defensive end and play out there and then and two gap or do whatever you need. Yeah, to without hesitation. There. Yeah, so, so you know, a, a guy that can do multiple things for you. Another kid out of South Carolina, Javon Kinlaw, uh, a, a nice player out there, 6'5", 324, three-year starter. Uh, I mean, he, this guy's got really everything. He's got a, a good wide wingspan. He bends to play. He, you know, he's got – he's a, he's, he's he pretty much controls the line of scrimmage at that point of attack inside there. And, uh, and those guys are, are certainly valuable to have. Yeah, the roster. I watched him live last year uh, in a game they played at home and they were upset by Appalachian state, but this was a guy when, you know, he draws a double team just much like Derek Brown. We were talking about from Auburn, you know, this is a guy that's going to draw a double team, you know, in college football, just about every game because he's that dominant. And probably you would say when you look at Kinlaw needs more consistency because he'll show up on film. And then all of a sudden for two and a half quarters, and I'm not so sure if that's because of the blocking schemes or maybe just his lack of, of being able to be consistent. But, yeah. you know, he kind of disappears a little bit. So you love his athleticism. You love his size. You just wish that you'd see him. And I think I think the senior bowl really helped his his pedigree in this draft because he was able to take those one on one challenges mm -hmm. for three days in a row. And the coaches had to go with his size and strength. Go, wow, I'm totally impressed, not just with the tape, but I got to see him live. And what I like, I can I can mold into what we need. Yeah. Uh, moving on to inside linebackers, Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, six, uh, six, two. 241 a 453 guy. It's funny. You, you know, you, you look at these guys and you look at the numbers and, you know, you know, way back in the day, back, back in, in, in my era, you know, to find a guy that was a, a, a defense, a, a linebacker, a, a, a defensive end that could run a, a four nine, you're like, wow, that guy's pretty quick. Now you look at guys and you're seeing them 240 pounds, four, five, three. Uh, you, you look at the, you know, uh, you talk about the, uh, Chase Young. I mean, the kid, but he's about a, what do you run? A, a four, what, four, five? I think so. Yeah, four, uh, four, six, five at 264 pounds. I, I mean, it's the, the, the speed that these big guys have gotten to is pretty crazy. But you look at Murray, and, and that's, he can run down, he can run down a ball carrier from sideline to sideline. And, and when he hits you, you're going to know about it. He's a tough hitter, he's a strong guy. And and, uh, and one of those guys that you, you like to plug in if you if you need an inside linebacker, which I think for the Dolphins right now is it would be a luxury pick. But if you need an inside linebacker, boy, that's uh, you, you kind of put his picture up there and say that's the that's the ideal guy right there. Yeah, you, you almost could set him on the field by by himself and let him go just sideline to sideline because that's the type of athlete you have: speed, acceleration. He finds the football and he he creates havoc behind the line of scrimmage. He's averaged close to 15 tackles for loss over the last two seasons. So you just, you put on the tape and you watch Murray. Uh, I know everybody's, you know, gawking over Isaiah Simmons, and we're going to talk about him a little bit. Yeah. But Murray is a guy like that because he attacks the line of scrimmage, and you're not sure if he's a safety, a defensive end, or a linebacker because he moves with great speed, and, and he always really tracks the ball. And you look, look for the football, you're going to find Kenneth Murray.
Yeah. Next guy behind him is kind of lined up to be Patrick Queen, who, uh, boy, if you you got to see a lot of Patrick Queen, Queen this off season with, or this last season with LSU and, and, and everything they did. But, well, he, he became a full-time starter just last year, but certainly made up for, for the time. He's, he's a quick guy. Uh, he can pursue. He's got good speed. Uh, he's got length. And, and you talk about a guy that can go from literally from sideline to sideline to make plays. And you know what? He's, a, he's one of those tacklers that you want to see. And, it, and it's tough in this day and age where you don't practice tackling that much, especially live tackling. Seems to have that ability to just square up and, and make plays. Instead of one of those guys, it's like an arm tag, kind of reach in or, 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 or being out of balance when you when you try to, to come down with the ball carrier. And he's a violent tackler. You know, we talked about Murray's speed and physicality, being able to go downhill or, or sideline to sideline. Queen does the same thing. He did it the same thing for LSU. He's decisive. He can trigger. He diagnoses plays really well in tight spaces, and he can track you down in the open field. Uh, only one year of experience, but he passes that eye test. You know, he's one of those every-down linebackers. And you see from Murray to Queen to, to maybe Isaiah Simmons, these guys can play on any down, and that's what you like as a coordinator on defense. Yeah, Logan Wilson, kid out of Wyoming, 6'2", 241, 4'5", 8". a four-year starter for uh, for Wyoming. The Cowboys out there and averaged uh, over 100 tackles per season. So the guy is, you know, the guy is productive. He makes plays. But I think you probably look at him probably down second, third round uh, as a guy there that, uh, uh, again, uh, you know, if you, if you pick a guy like that, you're probably picking him, you know, to, to be a, a, a special teams guy that's a little bit early if you're going to find him in, in that neighborhood in the draft. Well, you're right. He, you're probably right on with that. But the good thing, he has that trait that I know the Dolphins covet. You know, he's he's a three-year team captain, instinctive, yep. you know, has that burst, maybe has some position flexibility and can add on special teams. And maybe Sam or Will, you know, does a little bit of everything. So you're right, Bo. It might be a luxury pick down the line. Uh, you talked about this kid down the when you get the outside linebackers, Isaiah Simmons. Boy, I tell you what, I, it's been been a while since you've seen a guy uh, with that plays the way this guy does it. It really kind of blew everyone away in the combine. You know, he's six three, two thirty eight, comes runs a four three nine forty, and boy, I tell you, a lot of people just kind of you, know, you talk about. You know, I know they talk about the the um, the, uh, the combine uh, these days as well. You know, the coach, well, we don't pay much attention to the the numbers on the field because we've seen these guys play and this and that. We just want to we want to interview them and we want our doctors to look at this guy. Well, the doctors looked looked at all those doctors looked at at this guy and did this and that. But when he ran a four when he ran a, a four three nine, I think he jumped up on everybody's everybody's board with without any question after that. Yeah, I think he went right past the doctors right to the GM yeah, meetings absolutely. when he ran that because he can do it all. I mean, this is yep. probably a, a guy that if the Dolphins, I mean, it, it sounds crazy to say this, yep. but if they're for some reason the Dolphins didn't select a quarterback at five or yep. was uh, somewhere else in the draft in that first round by a pick or two, I wouldn't doubt that they took a look at Isaiah Simmons because he can do everything as a yeah. complete NFL defender. He can play any position at linebacker. He can rush the quarterback. He can cover a tight end. He can cover yeah. a running back. He's run down the field with slots in college football, right down the middle of the field, you know, on seam routes. Uh, he's an every down player. He doesn't come off the field and he creates mismatches that I know Brian Flores would covet if he had this guy on his roster. Yeah. You know, that you, you, if you, you know, if you want to kind of, play scenarios here 
you know, you find yourself if, if and I don't know that this would ever happen, but you find yourself at five and, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, you're sitting there and you've got Tua and you've got Herbert and you've got Isaiah Simmons. That'd be a tough call, John. I, I mean, you know, a guy like, Sim, guy like Simmons doesn't come around all the time. And, and, and I know quarterbacks a priority, but, but, you know, if you, if you're going to go to the best athlete available, when your pick comes, boy, it'd be hard to argue that Isaiah Simmons isn't the guy that you you, know, you, you put on the card and hand to the commissioner. Well, the stranger things have happened in, in the yeah. draft. And this year, with the way the world is and the way the draft is going to be conducted, the, there's going to be a lot of uh, first-time things that happen in an NFL draft. So if Joe Burrow went one, and for some reason, the Washington Redskins either right. took Chase Young or took a quarterback, and all of a sudden, here comes the Chargers, here comes Jacksonville, and all of a sudden, you're sitting at five, and three quarterbacks are off the board, and the Dolphins wanted to stay put because they want to use their picks, and they feel like, you know what, we have great value. We have two number one draft choices and two number twos next year. We could get Trevor Lawrence, or you can go after Justin yeah. Fields, and we'll get our quarterback yeah. next year. But we're going to stockpile this roster with talent. Boy, Isaiah Simmons would be coming off the board at five. Yeah, I, I just don't, you know, I don't think you could say that about maybe not anybody else in the draft, uh, you know, at, at, at five. But uh, I think he's certainly a guy that would be, there'd be, let's put it this way, there'd be a lot of conversation about that at that point. Um, That's true. Clavon Chasen, the kid from uh, LSU, he seemed to be moving up pretty quickly, 6'3", uh, ran a 475, 254. He can play, he can stand, he's one of those tweeters that can stand up, he can put his hand in the dirt. Uh, he's been, you know, he's been, a, been used as a pass rusher. And I think that's, I think he's one of those guys that that's, that's his, you know, that's his game may not, may not be the best guy against the run, but he's certainly not a liability. I don't think against the run, but, uh, if you're looking for a guy that's just got really pure pass rushing skills, uh, he seems to fit that bill pretty well. He does. It's an amazing story too, because, you know, in 2018, very first game, he came back, he blew his ACL out. So he came back in 2019 and had a terrific season, 13 and a half tackles, six and a half sacks. He, he has that game-changing pass rush ability and speed up the field, agility to get around big frame tackles, and can really dip like you were talking about. You know, he's 6'3", 254, 255. So this is a guy that creates some, some pressure on the edge and really good at, at setting the edge against the run. So you have a complete player uh, in chase on. Looking around the rest of these guys, Zach Bond, a kid from Wisconsin. Uh, you know, probably the next guy on the list there. But uh, I think I think as far as the Dolphins in the first round, I think that's kind of kind of where you you stop there uh, as we move on and get to uh, get to the defensive backs and cornerback position. Uh, Jeff Okuda, here's another one of those guys that. Uh, well, I tell you what, he, you know, he's going to be gone early. I was going to be probably the third pick in the draft in this in this deal. It looks that way. It looks that way. I mean, I, I believe that. Detroit's got to go defense. And I would say, you know, a lot of people have him coming off the board between him and, and Derek Brown from Auburn, yeah. the defensive tackle. Yeah. Nakuda's a guy that, uh, when you talk about just shut down cornerbacks, I mean, the, the ability that he's got to play the other, uh, the other cornerback after him, and I'm not going to, not going to spend too much time with the cornerbacks. So I think we're pretty well set there, but you're talking about CJ Henderson, the kid from Florida, uh, Christian Fulton out of LSU. Uh, and there's some pretty nice defensive backs in there, but Okuda is certainly the cream of the crop. He is. He, because of his elite footwork, you know, he has quickness yeah. to, to mirror the receivers, uh, 
a strong mentality guy. You know, he's able to erase a, a bad play and turn it into a good play right away. And you mentioned Fulton from LSU. Henderson, actually, uh, Miami native, went to uh, Christopher Columbus High School before mm -hmm. UF. So uh, that's a guy that's going to come off the board, I believe, in the teens in this draft. Uh, you get into the safety position. Uh, Kyle Duger, the kid out of uh, Rhino Lenore. Wherever, I don't even know where that, where that is. You went to Georgia? I, you know what? I'm not sure. Yeah. Either there or the Carolinas. Yeah. Uh, strong safety. But, the, you know, the kid that jumps out to you really is, uh, is Antoine Winfield Jr. from Minnesota. Uh, as a guy, if you're looking for a, for a strong safety out there, Terrell Burgess after him. Uh, so some, some solid players there. But, uh, you know, to me, I, I think, I think I'd feel a little more comfortable with Antoine Winfield Jr. if he's going to be, uh, you know, one of those guys I'm looking at that, in that position. Now, beyond that, I, you know, here's the guy that, you know, there's, there's the guys that always jump out at you when you move into the free safety. Grant Delpit, to me, the kid from LSU, you know, John, he's one of the – I don't remember being this this um, stuck on a guy, on a defensive back coming into the draft. Because uh, it, it seemed like every time I saw Delpit play for LSU, he was either – he was around the football, he was making plays. I know he's not the – you know, he, he kind of becomes a little too aggressive at times tackling, and his tackling kind of – goes down a little bit, but the guy always seemed to be around the ball, always seemed to make plays, always seemed to be in the picture. And it kind of reminded me of, uh, uh, of the kid, uh, uh, honey badger from, uh, from LSU. Um, uh, what's his name? Matthew. His name? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tyron Matthew who played, who uh, you get a Super Bowl ring from Kansas city this year, but you know, he came out of LSU and he was a ball hawk and, had some troubles, went to Arizona, kind of found his way. Patrick Peterson helped him, and, and he'd become a great football player. But I, I just, I, I just, I kind of, the way he's been portrayed in Delpit to me seemed to be very similar. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just buying something into it, but uh, it just seemed like every time I watched Grant Delpit play, he was around the ball and making plays. And, and, and that's what that always sticks with me when I look at these guys. You know, it's funny, every every week when we would come in and do the Audible during the season, you'd ask me what game I had, and we'd talk about the game, and then you'd say, did you see LSU play? And I'd say, yeah. And you, man, that Grant Delpit, he was all over the field. <laughs> you know, he was like a blur. And I said, well, did you see Chase on or Queen? He goes, no, Delpit. No, you would say Delpit. <laughs> you know, you're right, though, Bo. He's a three-year starter at LSU. Uh, he flashes a lot when you watch them play. He's aggressive, you know, and he, he plays in the, good in the open field. He can play close to the line of scrimmage. He can, you know, cover tight ends one-on-one -on -one when you have that matchup. So he, he's a guy that's really all over the football field, and he, he's a, a discipline, but he plays right on the edge. You know, he doesn't really go over yeah. the edge, but he plays right up to the edge, and that's what you like in a defender. Yeah, after that, Xavier McKinney from Alabama, uh, six foot four, six five, uh, 40, 201 pounds, and uh, you know, he's coming out of Alabama, you know, especially with the defensive back. You know, he's been well coached. You know, Nick Saban has his guys out there playing, uh, you know, really good football. And so here's, here's another guy coming out of Alabama that uh, that I think any team would like to have on, on his roster, have them You're on, right. have him on, the, on their roster. You're right, Bo. Position flexibility. Um, center field, he's great. On the slot, he's good. Uh, close to the line of scrimmage against the run. He's smart, tough, instinctive, has uh, that really good change of direction for a defensive back that you need. And he closes very quickly. Uh, and he has the discipline to take smart angles to, to the football. So anytime that you're getting multiple defenses thrown at you, and I'm sure Nick Saban 
threw a lot at McKinney. He's going to be able, if he came to the Miami Dolphins, he'd be able to handle uh, the workload that Brian Flores is going to give him on the defensive side. Ashton Davis, Julian Blackman, those guys uh, uh, strike a nerve with you. I know Davis uh, come out of uh, out of Cal. Uh, you know, was an offensive player in high school, kind of a late bloomer out there, but great athlete that, uh, that turned into a really good safety uh, at uh, at Cal. Yeah, he did. He, I was reading a little bit about Davis, a track guy that made that transition. He walked on actually. I was begging for a, a tryout for the football team for, on with Cal. And immediately in the spring, you know, they, they saw that athleticism. They said, you're on the team. So he didn't have to run track anymore. It looks like he found a <laughs> home in the defensive uh, backfield. He's kind of more of a, a, a reckless guy. Maybe he doesn't have the experience of the guys that we talked about, but could has all the, the traits that you would need to be explosive from that position. Yeah. So that, uh, that kind of runs through the, uh, the, the defensive side of the football with draft choices. John, as we're getting closer and closer to the draft, the Dolphins have, we, we went over the picks that they have, the three picks in the first round, two in the second, uh, three more later on in the, in the, in the fifth round. So they got a, a, a plenty of picks. You, are you feeling more comfortable or, or do you have any, uh, any better grasp of where this team may go? Well, it, it all starts at number five, and it's yeah. going to depend on whether Chris Greer and, and Brian Flores deem Tua Tungavailoa as their guy, or, or is it Justin Herbert? Uh, I think that's going to determine really the first round for the Miami Dolphins, and if they have to get off of five and give up picks to move up, I, I wouldn't want to see the Dolphins do that. I hope they can stand pat at five and, and take a quarterback of their choice if, if they want to. But I would hate to see them give up a, a lot in this draft. Even though there's a wealth of picks at 14, you don't get this opportunity uh, very often. So if if they deem that one of those guys is worth going up to get, then go get him if that's your conviction. But you'd like to see him stand at, at five and let the, the draft board kind of fall that way. And I, I think I think the, the Chargers are going to be the team that you kind of have to Mm -hmm. look out and, and see what they're going to do because they have a veteran quarterback that's been in the lineup and out of the lineup. And I'm not so sure if, you know, which, which flavor they like, is, is it Herbert or is it, is it Tua Tunga Bailoa? But uh, they're going to get one of those two. And, and so quarterback wise, John, what is, what is your tolerance for Tua? Well, I, I I've always been a Tua fan. Because yeah. I look at, you know, if you're looking so solely at arm strength, um, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're going to lean somewhere else. But that doesn't make up the totality of a quarterback. I, I think if you're evaluating a guy, you, you want to see the presence of a guy. Can he make people around you better? Does the ball come out of his hand on time? Does he have pocket awareness? His accuracy down the field is much more important and, and anticipation is much more important than velocity on the football. Now, I'm not going to say that's not important, but Tua has plenty of it. So for me, Tua Tungabailoa is a much better prospect in terms of can he come to the Miami Dolphins and be the franchise quarterback um, right now? Pr probably has a better chance than Justin Herbert does in his first couple of seasons in the National Football League. Now, the injury bug out there, that that's the thing that you – you know, that's yep. the thing that keeps you up at night because, you know, two ankle surgeries, a hip surgery, um, you know, that those are the things that you worry about because he doesn't have the size at, you know, 6'5", like Justin Herbert. 
He, yeah. He's a smaller guy at six foot, but he's a, he's athletic. He can sometimes get himself out of trouble, but sometimes that athleticism puts him holding the football on the perimeter, maybe a little bit too long. And that's where he, he has found injury in, in his college career. Yeah. Let's play what ifs here. What, what if Tua uh, completed his senior year, had, uh, you know, no injury, maybe, you know, ankle injury before whatever, but, no, but not the, not the, the three, three surgeries in two years. Um, and then, and now you hear people always brittle this and that. I mean, everything's kind of coming out, but let's, let's, let's just play, let's just play what ifs here. Right. What if you had Tua coming out healthy without that stigma of injuries hanging over him and Burrow's coming, Burrow coming out the way they are now, where would your choice be at that point? Well, first of all, you'd have a fight to get to number one. Um, <laughs> uh, the Dolphins, the Chargers, the Jaguars, uh, the Raiders, and probably if, if Tampa didn't get Tom Brady, it would be Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, all fighting to get one of those two quarterbacks. And the, the pick probably would be Tua because of the, the experience factor. Yeah. Joe Burrow, yeah. as amazing of a season that he had, with 60 touchdowns and a national championship and a Heisman trophy and, and winning any award that was out there that a quarterback could win would probably be picked number two behind two. Yeah. That's yeah. just my opinion. No, I, I agree. I, I mean, you know, Tua was, you know, before the season started, Tua was far and away. And then, uh, but it's funny how, you know, six months changes everything. And, and, and now the questions surrounding him were, or playing, they, they seem to keep piling up around him. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see what the Dolphins do. And, uh, and John, I know that we've got a, uh, we got a draft special that, uh, with the Dolphin, with the Dolphins that, uh, it's going to be airing on, I think it's Facebook Live, right? On it uh, is. draft night. That's right. And so, uh, I think, I think a lot of people have gotten invitations to join. And I think you can probably go to dolphins.com, find out if you want to, uh, get involved with that. I don't want to, I'm not sure if I should even be, I don't know how they're promoting it and, and whatnot, but, um, but we'll we'll be with you through the first round on uh, on next on Thursday night as the draft comes around and we're giving you our thoughts on picks that are being made, the Dolphins picks and everything, and should be a pretty interesting first round, John. I know we've done this now for the last few years, and you know there's always some questions whether something's going to happen. I don't think I don't think uh, we we haven't at least you and I haven't been together for a draft where there have been more options for things to do and more options to see more players. And to, to really see a, a major impact coming out of this draft in a big way for the Miami Dolphins. Well, I think just the way the world is, you know, they're looking for an outlet. People are looking for yeah. uh, somehow sports to kind of take their, their mind off of the daily grind of just trying to survive. And I think there's going to be a, a bunch of attention and eyeballs and, and focus on this year's draft because it's something fun to talk about. It's something yeah. that you can call a neighbor, call a friend, and, and can't believe that your team took this guy or so happy that your team took this guy. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. There's going to be a lot of um, uh, sweaty palms, I guess, in terms of where the, the Dolphins, what they're going to do, who they select. But uh, at 5 and at 18 and 26, right now, the Dolphins are in prime position uh, to make a, a really good uh, sweep of the first round and and really really fortify some of the positions on this roster. Yeah, it's going to be you know not beyond beyond picks and beyond that, John. Just just the mechanics of the draft this year uh, are going to be uh, you know n n nothing nothing is going to be normal 
and certainly the mechanics of the draft are going to be something that we've we haven't seen ever uh, in the National Football League. So that's going to be interesting to see what uh, how, how the league goes about getting this thing done and and how you know and then how they're able to pull it off. Hopefully without uh, without too many um, too many breakdowns along the way. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You're right, Bo. With with all the different dynamics, no one there live. Everybody in a a secured facility, not their home, uh, I guess, headquarters in, in their team facility. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how teams deal with uh, this unusual circumstances that they're that really all 32 franchises are dealing with. Yeah, well, it's only a week away. Looking forward to it, John. It's gonna be fun. Appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you joining us on the show for John Kajemi. I'm Kim Bocamp for Logan McCall. Want to thank you for getting this all together, but uh, have a good week, John, and we'll uh, we'll get together next week on uh, on draft day. Sounds great, Bo. All right, you guys stay safe out there, and we'll catch you guys next week. We'll see you then.